Every church has a culture and uh, just how they do things and what's important in the life of the church. And uh, before we read the word this morning and look at our continuing in our topic on the second coming and last time events, uh, that's a series we're in the process of, just started last week, looking at the second coming. I thought I'd just take a few minutes. We're doing a little bit of these spots over the year on Outlook Culture and just reminding us of some of the things that are important to us uh, as a church. We have a great church, and with your help, it can continue to be that way. It takes everybody to make an awesome church. And uh, the first thing is uh, we start the day with prayer. And uh, if you want to come at about 9.05, normally the MC will organize a prayer circle. And uh, we just pray for our time together that God would speak to us, that we would sense his presence, that we'd come closer to him because of it. Everybody's welcome. It's just sentence prayers. We just uh, power in and pray before the service starts. On our Sundays, we want to encourage all of us to develop what we call guest eyes. Because every church thinks they're friendly. You realize that? But I don't know how many churches you've visited, but very often churches can be very unfriendly. Because everybody thinks they're friendly because they know somebody there and they've got somebody they can talk to. But if you don't know anybody there, it can be very unfriendly. And so we encourage Outlook partners to come a little bit earlier, about quarter past nine. And uh, the idea is to welcome new people. And uh, so they don't come into an empty church and uh, don't know anybody to talk to. And then during our Say Good Day time that's just happened, we encourage everybody to leave their seats and meet someone you don't know before you catch up with somebody you do know. And then after the service, we have this three-minute rule. Talk to someone you don't know for the first three minutes before catching up with those you do know. So you can be in your life group, and uh, it's great to catch up with them, but you can do that in the middle of the week. Or, uh, you know, these things that, oh, I need to talk to so-and-so about that. Hold off on them, all right? Uh, why don't you look around and see, who don't I know? And a good question to ask is not, are you new here? Because they may have been coming longer than you. good question to ask is, how long have you been coming to Outlook? Oh, since the first day we met in the farmer's house. No, that's the farmer, not a farmer's house, in the farmer's... Don't worry about it. All right, so um, first three minutes. All right, so that's what we're trying to do. God is here as we meet together and we need to come in awe. So come to pray and pray as you come that the presence of God would be seen and felt as we worship together. So pray. Come and praise I love that new song this morning, by the way. Josh, that was awesome. Wherever you are, thank you. Come to praise and honor our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, wholeheartedly, no matter how you feel, especially mum and dad with little kids. Good on you for getting to church. I applaud you. You know, six snappy changes and even another one on the way here or puking. You know, all the horror, horror stories, and yet you still turn up. I think that's awesome, and step into praise, and participate, come to participate, all the corporate worship experience, like we did, joining in with the kids' time, even if it's, you know, you're not sitting down the front, and uh, praying, and saying amen, and just participate, and be part of it. Then morning tea, partners, we remind us not just having, you know, good food, and great coffee, but we're trying to say this is ministry time, so yes, bring some food to share, if everybody brings something, there's plenty for everyone. Enjoy it and pass it around. Thanks, kids. We talked about this the other day. We appreciate your help passing out the food as well as eating it. We don't mind you eating it, but pass it out and share it with others. And then for us as we uh, connect to each other, so connect with other people 
and pray and ask God to give you one person you can encourage. And pray, and even if somebody wants to give their life to Jesus, pray with them and help them come to know Jesus right there. And so the idea is, you know, if somebody shares something, we had a great week or a great win in some area, well, why don't you just pause right then and pray for them and say, thank you, God. Or if somebody's sharing something and uh, they're facing something pretty major this coming week, instead of saying, I'll pray for you, and then going home and getting so busy with everything else, why don't you stop right then and say, can I pray for you? While you're holding your coffee in, stop eating your, you know, your cake just for a moment. And so let me pray for you and pray for them right there because we see it as ministry time, encouraging one another. And so in our relationships, Lord, help me to be an encouragement to one person today. So as you're coming, Lord, help me to be an encouragement to one person today. So talk. We are family, relate, talk to all ages. So if you're an old fellow like me, you know, talk to the little ones. And if you're young adults, don't just talk to young adults, talk to somebody older, talk to some. Let's talk to different ages, not just our own age group. Include others and introduce others. Maybe they know you, they don't know. Who else do you know here? And introduce them to somebody else. So open your circle up and invite others to join in the circle that you're talking. Just keep your eyes open and have guest eyes. Invite home for lunch. Order the church barbecue. I think we've got one coming up in a couple of weeks' time. If somebody's new, they probably, oh, I don't know whether I should go to the church barbecue. I haven't brought anything. You don't have to bring anything. Just say, come along. And we go down to uh, Lake Annand and have a great uh, barbie together. Gerard's coming back from somewhere around the world, and he'll be back for that in a few weeks' time. And remember this. It's never did people, this is for Outlook Partners, It's never did people talk to or include me. It's always whom did I serve? Instead of being this way, oh, nobody talked to me, and I sat there. It's always who can I serve? I'll never forget in a church service, I had a lady sitting here and another person sitting there. And they both told me after the service that nobody spoke to them. They were sitting opposite each other. I said, well, did you speak to somebody? And they said, oh, I'm too shy. I couldn't do that. And I said, do you know what? That's so sad because I've had somebody else say to me the exact same thing and you were sitting opposite each other. So you're both sitting there saying nobody spoke to me, but I'm too shy to talk to anybody else. And you both missed out. And so take the initiative. It's always, whom did I serve this morning? Who did I encourage? Who did I pray for? Who did I connect with? Who did I help to include who was maybe new here and uh, didn't feel part of that? And then we're servants. Before the service, be part of the setup team. Come early to prepare for church. If you want to talk to Michael, Michael, just put your hand up. He's down the back. I, I honour these people, all right? You know, at the footy, they do this. You know, I honour these people who get up, especially coming into winter, on their own, they come here early, they open up, they pull all these boxes out here and they start setting up everything. Stanley was on this morning and most of the place was set up before we even got here. It was fantastic. All right, there's a roster for that. But after the service, everyone is part of the pack up and clean up. And there's a list of theirs to do. We've got to pack away the chairs, pack everything down, bring it down here so the person on pack up can put it nicely in the boxes and uh, the jumping castle has to be folded in and taken into the storeroom. So there's a whole lot of things there uh, that we need to do at the end of the service. And if everybody gets into that, have morning tea and about half past 11, between half past 11 and 12, then we'll just get into packing up. 
as we're servants together. And our heart's desire is may the glory of the risen Christ be seen and felt in this place as we worship together, as we gather together. Got it? Got it? Got it? Good. All right. Excellent. Now, if you've got your Bibles there, will you turn to Romans chapter 11? And we're going to read from verses 25 to 36. We've started the series on the second coming and end time events. And this morning we want to focus in on three mysteries uh, about the end times of the last days. And uh, Paul mentions one of these mysteries in Romans chapter 11. I'm going to ask Kathy to read it. It's not on the screen, so if you've got your phone there, flip to a Bible Gateway or um, one of the other versions that you can get, app, or if you've got a hard copy, open up to Romans chapter 11, and we're reading from verses 25 to 36. Listen to the Word of God. From Romans 11. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in, and in this way all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, he will turn godlessness away from Jacob, and this is my covenant with him when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs, for God's gift and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who are at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. O oh, the rich depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's talk to Father. Let's pray. Almighty God, creator, sustainer of the universe, saviour, redeemer, comforter and guide. We ask that right now as we look at some very heavy and sometimes difficult things that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive the one thing you wish to say to us this morning. So Lord, as we listen to some information, help us to listen for the still small voice of your Holy Spirit and we look forward to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. After Jesus rose from the dead, 
He spends about 40 days with his disciples, teaching them and preparing them for what is to come. And then he went out to what is now called the Mount of Transfiguration. And he went out and on that mountain, he then ascended to heaven. And as he was going back to heaven, angels came because the disciples were just awestruck and didn't know what was coming next. And this is what they said to them. This same Jesus, the one you know, the one who was crucified, the one who died, was buried and rose again from the dead, the one you've been eating with and talking with for the last 40 days, this same Jesus who you've seen ascend into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go. And that's the foundation of what Christians throughout the ages, whether they disagree with the timing and the events and all the other things, they agreed on this one thing, that Jesus will bodily actually return to planet Earth. And we look forward to that great day. And that's why when we meet around the communion service, we often say, till Jesus comes. And Paul tells us to take the communion until looking forward to the coming of Jesus when we will not need a reminder of him because we will see him face to face. And then Peter, on the day of Pentecost, as he was preaching, spoke of the fact that this was nothing new, that the prophets in the Old Testament looked forward to this day. And it was the day called of the, spoken of as the Great Restoration. He must remain in heaven as part of his preaching on that day. He said, talking about Jesus, he must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his prophets because this world is not as God intended it to be. We sense that there is beauty and creation and greatness and dignity in this creation and yet it seems to be marred and spoilt. And Christ has come to reverse that. But we look forward to, and it's begun. And we looked at that last week, how the life of the age to come has broken in. But we're still waiting for Jesus to return. And he will restore everything. It's spoken of as the great restoration. And so we're wanting to look at some of the, the goals. We'll look in more detail as weeks and months maybe come up. We will continue to look uh, at this. About it. We want to look at some of the goals of this great restoration and what God is going to do. And we looked at these last weeks. He's coming back for his church. He has a plan and purpose for his church because he's the church's bridegroom and the church is his bride, as the scripture talks about. He's going to fulfill his promises to Israel. He makes promises and he keeps them. He is their Messiah, and we're enjoying the benefit of that. We're going to look more detail, detail at that. The other goal is he's going to deal with evil. Evil and sin and Satan has ruined and spoiled and marred God's creation and God's people and the image of God in human beings. And this is his judgment work. We will ultimately give an account, and he will bring evil and sin and death to a final end. We will look at that. And he will also rule and reign on this earth. He is its rightful king. And we look forward to a thousand-year reign leading into new heavens and a new earth. That's some of the goals of the second coming and end-time events. And we'll be looking at each of those over coming weeks. Last week, and they're just listed out his bridegroom. Because so often we look at events, but really the Bible is more talking about a person who Jesus is, what he wants to achieve, and why. It's related to who he is, not so much in the events, though there will be events 
but so often we get into discussing the events and when they will happen rather than who is coming and why he's coming and the purpose of his coming. So that will be the focus of what we're looking at. We also talked about last week that there are a number of threads that run through the Bible. There is the earth line. All these events related to the earth. God's not going to destroy and get rid of this earth. He has created it with a purpose to be inhabited, and there is looking forward to new heavens and a new earth. And so this earth has a special place in God's plan. We talked about the ages line or the moral line. We now live in this present evil age, government and society under the leadership and influenced by evil and sin and rebellion. But there's coming a new age where Christ will rule, the coming age, and, um, and this age is broken in, and we're now living in the overlap of the ages, the present evil age, and the life of the age to come has entered in, but ultimately there will come a new age when human government is taken over and directly run by Jesus Christ at his return. And then we looked at the days line or the promise line, and this is probably the thing that people use and get mixed up so often. There is the former days, there are the last days or the latter days, and then there's the day of the Lord. It's all related to the promise made to Abraham way back in the Old Testament. And the former days are the days of promise that look forward to the Messiah coming. And the last days began when Jesus came. He is the Messiah. All right, so we've been in the last days or the latter days since the first coming of Jesus, and the last days will conclude in the day of the Lord at his return. And uh, so often people say, Do you think we're in the last days? I said, Well, we've been in the last days for the last 2,000 years, biblically. You're actually saying, Are we closer to Jesus returning? Well, yes, we are. Every day is a day closer to Jesus returning, but biblically speaking, We're in the days of the fulfillment of the promises of the coming of the Messiah who would bring forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus made possible and the life of the age to come, which will ultimately conclude with new heavens, new earth, resurrection body and judgment of evil. And and we've talked about that. So there's the days line. And then there's the human line or salvation line that our relationship to God has always been dependent upon faith. Some sort of teach, well, in the Old Testament, it was by the law, and it was keeping the law. No, the law was just to show us, it was a teacher to show us just how much we needed to have faith in God through Christ to save us. But it's always been by faith in the Garden of Eden, and uh, right throughout the Old Testament right now, relationship with God has always been by faith, trusting and obeying Him. And uh, we were created to live under his rulership and run the world in his image as his representatives. But sin has spoiled that image. But there is coming a day when a man will rule over the government of this world and in a way that pleases God. And it will be in the, resur- in the coming of Jesus, the long-appointed Messiah and rightful king and ruler. So the man Jesus Christ will reign or rule the world and fulfill this divine plan. And Christians will reign with him. And relationship to him has always been and always will be by faith, trust, and obedience. So they're the four lines that we looked at last week that roll through and impact the things and the events of the last days. And you can't see that. It's so small. And I've printed out 20 copies. The first 20 people can grab it. And that's sort of just a summary of those goals and those lines that we've talked about over the last week. All right. 
We then want to, uh, I'm getting warmed up here, all right. We, we then want to come to this morning, uh, look at uh, three collectives or three groupings of the end times and a mystery that surrounds them. And the Bible talks about the mis- these mysteries. It's not something that we can't know, but we'll explain what a mystery is. And so these three collectives are, through the Scriptures, is human world government globally organized under and unified by the Antichrist and focused on evil. So it's human world government. That's talked about in the Scriptures. The Church of Jesus Christ. There's a mystery around the church. And the State of Israel. And there's a mystery around Israel. And so we're going to talk about these three mysteries. So the three mysteries, the mystery of evil, the mystery of the church, and the mystery uh, of Israel. And the concept of mystery is important to note because it emphasizes that there is a pattern. There is something here that cannot be discerned by human reason. Humanly speaking, you think this is happening. You need divine revelation to know what God's planning. So that's a mystery. It seems this is happening. And humanly speaking, you think this is happening. Sort of like what's just happened the last week in Australia. For many, it was a mystery. (laughs) You know, we thought this was going to happen. And then somebody said, a miracle has happened and this has happened. Well, biblically, everybody thinks these things are going to happen on these three areas. But there is a mystery. You need divine revelation to know what is actually going to happen. So it's not that you can't know, but you can't know by human looking at the events. You need the revelation of God. And so that's the concept of a biblical mystery, a sacred secret. All right? Cannot be discerned by human reason, only by divine revelation. So we want to look at these three mysteries. Mysteries of the church, mystery of Israel, and then we'll finish with the mystery of evil, all right? Or world government and what's going to happen in that way. In Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says this, Although I'm less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles, that's non-Jews, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, in this time, through the church, this mystery is related to the church, wasn't seen before. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities, the spiritual beings and the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it was not a a later idea that he suddenly came up. It was always his purpose. It was just hidden. And people didn't see it until it was revealed. The mystery of the church. And there are two things about the mystery of the church. The first is the inclusion of non-Jews in the blessing of Abraham. It was promised right back to Abraham that blessing would come to all peoples through a descendant of Abraham. Through the seed of Abraham, blessing would come to the nations. And the blessing is unpacked as forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit would come to all nations through a descendant of Abraham. And that descendant was the Lord, was the Lord Jesus himself who made that possible through his death and burial and resurrection, taking the judgment for our sins so that we could be forgiven and rising from the dead so that he could give us the gift of eternal life, the gift of his Holy Spirit. But the mystery was this. The Jews thought, 
that Israel's restoration would come first and then out of that would come blessing to the Gentiles. So the concept of the church, including both Jews and Gentiles, was a new revelation to them. They didn't expect it. And that's why if you read the Acts, the things about uh, the church agreeing, oh, something's happened to non-Jews. They're experienced the same thing we've experienced. Why was that such a surprise when you read the story of the Acts? Because they didn't expect it. What they thought was, when Jesus was resurrected, national Israel would believe that this is their coming Messiah. This is their Messiah and have faith in him. And so the blessings to Abraham and David would come back and Israel would be restored. And then the blessing would come to the nations. But Israel nationally rejected Jesus, the Messiah. And so the blessing of Abraham came and the church was, came into being, which included Jews and Gentiles. And so the scripture pulls, so when we heard this, that is the non-Jews had received the gift of the Spirit and forgiveness of sins, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. It was not what they were expecting. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, non-Jews, outside of the promises made to the Abraham and through Jesus, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. The mystery of the church is Jew and Gentile are included in this new family of God called the church, the bride of Christ. Inclusion. They weren't expecting that. And the other thing is indwelling. The other part of the mystery of the church was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You see, in the Old Testament, no one was indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It was not possible till Jesus came. They looked forward to it. The Holy Spirit came upon kings and leaders and prophets, clothed himself with, the, the Scripture talks about, and empowered them to do things, but nobody actually had the Holy Spirit come to indwell them. That was something that was a mystery that was revealed in the church. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is what the Old Testament looked forward to. That's why David in the Psalms prays that we wouldn't pray as a Christian. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Because the Holy Spirit would come for special things. It didn't automatically stay, but through the faith in Jesus Christ, God now by His Spirit comes to indwell me and I'm regenerated, recreated, and God, I become the dwelling place of God. I become the Holy of Holies of the tabernacle. That was the incredible mystery that was hidden from ages past, that God wouldn't live in a building. God would live by His Spirit in you. You now become His dwelling place or His home. So is God at home in your life and heart and spirit? How at home is he, or is he uncomfortable there? He comes by faith and obedience, and we experience and grow in that relationship with him through faith and obedience. So that's the mystery of the church. And then we want to look at the mystery of Israel and the mystery of evil. The mystery of the church is the Jews, non-Jews are included, and it's... The mystery of the church is we're now actually indwelt by God. God dwells in us. We're his dwelling place. The mystery of Israel 
We read about this this morning. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And your view of the second coming, all the events, really hinges on what you think about Israel. Some Christians feel that uh, the church is the new Israel and all the promises given to Israel and now belong to the church and Israel. God has no plan for them, any future plan for them. You'll tell I don't agree with that. Because you see, when God makes a promise, He always keeps it. That's why I know I'm forgiven and I'm going to heaven, not because there's anything good about me, but God made a promise. And this is His testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has this life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have this life. And these things I write to you, John says, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And so my future is based not on my goodness, but on God's promise. God always keeps his promises. And God has made promises to the people of Israel, whatever your view of them is. And it would appear that Israel has been put aside, and this, humanly speaking, it seems like that God's purpose is for them. That's why people presume, although no, the church has taken over all these promises, God has no future for Israel. That's the human looking at it. It looks like they've been put aside permanently, but this is not so. It is only temporary. That's the mystery. Mystery is what seems to be permanent is only temporary. Israel's troubles and seeming failure to enjoy all the rich promises of Abraham are only temporary because God tells them in Isaiah, your maker is your husband. God is committed to them and he will not divorce them. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. Though the mountains be shaken, the hills be removed, yet my unfailing talking about Israel, love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion upon you. And you continue to read through the Scriptures. The callings and the gifts of God are without repentance. God will keep His promises. And so the mystery of Israel is he's, it seems like they've been put aside, but it's only temporary. Their blessing awaits their acceptance of Christ as their Messiah, because nationally, Jews do not believe that Jesus Christ is their promised Messiah. But there is coming a time when their near annihilation will bring about their faith and the return of Jesus. All right, so God has a plan for the nation of Israel. They're tied in with the mystery of evil and will come to you. For I tell you, Matthew says, you will, Jesus is saying, to the people of Israel, you will not see me again until you say, talking to the children of Israel, this is not talking to the church, talking to the Israelites, he said before he left, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When Israel comes to faith and calls out to their Messiah Jesus to rescue them from near annihilation, Jesus will return. Because Romans says, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. It would appear that Israel is finished, but God still has a plan. Their blessing as a nation awaits their moving into a position of faith, accepting officially the Jesus of Calvary as her long-awaited Messiah. Before Israel does that, she will be deceived by the Antichrist and go through a period of awful persecution. 
at the point of her seeming annihilation, Israel will come to faith, call upon the name of the Lord, and enjoy as a consequence her rescue and restoration through the turn of her Messiah Jesus with the church. And we look forward to that great day. So that's the mystery of Israel. It looks like it's over. And it would look like eventually they're done for. But don't believe it. They will call out to Jesus, their Messiah, and he will rescue them in great power. And then lastly, the mystery of evil or iniquity. Paul says in Thessalonians, let no one deceive you, for it will not come, for this time will not come until the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things, and you will know what who restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness, there's that word again, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. It's already at work. This is back right in the early church. It's already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And so you can see this recurring over and over again. That's why very often through the centuries people thought, Jesus is coming now because look what's happening. And you might say it's building up, it's building up. Yes, it'll happen numbers of times and then finally it will come, this mystery of evil. So we want to look at, and this mystery of evil horror, sorry. This mystery of evil, I shouldn't touch my screen, it's a touch screen, sorry. Oops. Help me, Michael. Okay. Ah, come back. Thank you. <laughs> the mystery of evil is tied in to mystery Babylon you'll read about in the Revelation, and we'll come to that. It's not self-evident. It requires a revelation from God. And uh, it's, no, I haven't got the right, sorry, I'm still not at the right spot. We still might need you, Michael. There we go. Yes, hallelujah, thank you. All right. And this mystery lies in the fact that the Antichrist or the beast and the false prophet will present themselves initially as deliverers, as the answer to the world's problems, and they will bring about an incredible time of peace like the world has never seen. And everybody will think, this is fantastic, aren't they just awesome? And this is what we need. But finally, their true colors will come out and carnage and destruction will occur. It's the mystery of lawlessness or the mystery of evil. Okay. Finish with this one. The mystery of evil or iniquity, it's tied up with deception. The deliverer will turn to a despot, but ultimately he will be defeated. The mystery of evil is always tied in with the reign of evil, is always there is deception in it. No doubt what Jesus said and warned us, for false prophets and messiahs will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elects. And so if miracles happen and things like that, don't just automatically presume it comes from God. 
There is another power in the universe. His name is Satan, a fallen rebellious angels, and there are many spirits who follow him. And evil is part of it. And this evil is deceiving, is lying, pretending to be one. And we're warned about Satan coming as an angel of light, so don't be gullible. And all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So Jesus has warned us ahead of time that the mystery of evil is tied up with deception. In Revelation we read, because of the signs that was given, power to perform on behalf of the first beast, this false prophet, this puppet in Palestine, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet live. We won't go into all that. We're just trying to give the overview and the big pictures. But then the final picture is, but the beast, this world ruler, was captured with it, the false prophet, his puppet in Palestine, who had performed the signs on its behalf, miraculous signs. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image, and two of them were thrown alive into the fiery furnace of burning sulfur. So the final picture is evil will be destroyed, and it's, you might say, its ultimate apex I guess we got a little bit of that picture in Adolf Hitler. Do you, do you realize that Hail Hitler was worshiping him? And we have Hail Jehovah, Jehovah, Hallelujah, we say to the Lord Jesus. And they were saying, Hail Hitler. And there will come a world leader who will seem like he's pro religion, but ultimately he'll want everybody to worship him. And miracles and great signs and wonders will be done so people will worship him. Look at what he's achieved. You know, all the troubles in the Middle East, there is now peace. Surely you don't think anything's wrong. This is fantastic. But then he will turn. He will turn. So the mystery is, it's all tied in with the reign of evil as deception. The mystery is that the Antichrist or the beast, this coming world ruler and the false prophet, the beast puppet, representative in Palestine, come under the world seen as deliverers and bring about a time of peace and are sympathetic to religion. Everybody thinks this is fantastic. However, this changes and they show their true colors. This results in a time of massive carnage and destruction with an idol of the beast being built in the temple of Jerusalem, everyone made to worship the Antichrist or the beast. But finally, the Antichrist and the beast and the false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire when Christ returns with the church to take over the rulership of the world. And so that's the mystery of evil. World government looks like it's the answer to all our problems. Happy with religion but ultimately he wants the worship. Brings in a time of peace and deceives. But then the true colors come and carnage and destruction takes over the world. The mystery of the church, the mystery of Israel, and the mystery of evil. Humanly speaking, it seems it's different. It needs God to reveal what's going to actually happen. Humanly speaking for the church, blessing needs to come to Israel first, then blessing will come to non-Jews. But God reveals something different. The church will consist of Jews and Gentiles now, even before Israel comes. And the church will actually 
have, be able to be indwelt by God, something that's never been done before. Israel looks like he's finished with. God has no further use for them. They've, they don't accept him and they reject him as their Messiah. But God has a plan and purpose for them and they will come back to faith at the very last minute when it looks like they're going to be annihilated and everything is over and Christ will return and restore. And the mystery of evil looks like the answer to the, all the world's problem in this new world ruler and human government under one leader with miraculous signs and wonders done, but it deceives because at his core it is evil and bring about great destruction until Christ returns in the day of God. So how should we then live knowing of these things? Well, don't be gullible. Know the word. For such people are false prophets, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. The end will be what their actions deserve. So this principle or this mystery of evil runs all the way through, even though it'll be ultimately come to its height. And so we need to know what God says. And sometimes great preachers and teachers can come and do all sorts of miracles. And I remember through my 40 years, it's come and people rush off here and then rush off there. Oh, it's wonderful and all these miracles are happening. And then suddenly the true colors show why they're doing that. So just because they quote the Bible, but check out what I say as well. Read the word, know the word, don't be gullible because Satan is a deceiver. Jesus has warned us. That's why we need to read the Word and know the Word. Don't be divisive. Sort out issues. That's the other thing the church has struggled with, with divisions and disunity. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it to the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people to the church? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world... Make assessments. Are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know, talking to the church, that you will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? That's an interesting verse to contemplate. What God has in store for the church and its purposes in the age to come. And part of our role in the age to come is written right there. And that's why it challenges us to sort out our issues. Because issues will come, problems will come. And we need to be able to sort them out. Surely, surely you can find wise people in the body to give you some guidance and make some judgments and assessments of what's happening. We don't always do that very well. And don't be conformed. Live sexually faithful. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? That's the mystery of the church. Your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own to do what you like. You were bought at a price of his death on the cross. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The new teaching that's coming in is body and spirit are different and you can be spiritually connected to God and do what you like in your body as if the two don't connect. But that's not biblical. We are a, a unified body, soul, and spirit, and God now lives in us. 
And so I should use my body to reflect the character of God who is holy, who now dwells in you. And so the question is, does the Holy Spirit is pleased with this action or this behavior or this reaction or this? Because you are the temple of the living God. And so these mysteries actually work out in real life. Don't be gullible. Get to know the word. Read it. Sort out issues. Don't you realize that as the church we're going to judge angels and judge the world, make assessments, sort out things? Well, surely we need to grow in wisdom to be able to do that among us. And don't you know that we are the dwelling place of God, the mystery of the church? Therefore, honor God with your body. Be faithful. And one day, Jesus will return. Let's pray. Father, your word warns us that people will come and say, "Eh, everything's just been going on as it always has. Where's this Jesus coming back? But you have a plan and a purpose, and you are patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance, and you haven't returned in the great day of God and the day of judgment, the day of the Father. Because you're not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. You want us to share the faith and live the faith and help others become part of this great mystery of the church. God indwelt human beings who are going to rule and reign with Christ on this earth. In a world that human beings without God are going to try and do it, but it'll just end up in carnage and disaster. But Jesus is coming. The Messiah will return. And the great restoration will happen. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. You will keep your word. So, Lord, help us as your people to live faithfully till that day. Help us to use our bodies to honor you, the holy God, and live consistent with the heart desire of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. In our physical relationships, in our verbal relationships, help us to sort out issues that come our way to seek wise counsel and to give wise counsel. And help us to spend time reading your words so that we're not gullible. Because we remember that the evil one tempted our Lord Jesus quoting the Bible. So, Lord, help us to live in a way that honors you with this great anticipation that Jesus is coming and all will be well, no matter how bad it looks now. And we ask for your help in Jesus' name.